in a few minutes, I'm going to give this away to a family who is going to occupy the promises of God this year on Super Bowl Sunday. But high five your neighbor and tell him God is here. Your other neighbor, tell him God is here. High five one more person and tell him all things are possible. 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 Everything is possible. Everything is possible. Everything is possible. Everything. Luke 18, 27, this is for somebody here. What is impossible for man is possible for God. Somebody shout, all things are possible. He is the God of the impossible. The moment it becomes impossible, it belongs to God. I love that. You may be seated. You may be seated. Man, we began this year, and we continue from the first, literally the first of January, all the way until today, and we continue with the series, Occupy the Promise. Somebody say, Occupy the Promise. We have dissected the life of Joshua, and now his cohort, his partner in grace, Caleb, these individuals that truly embody what it represents to occupy God's promises. We've talked about the fact that Joshua and Caleb were warriors. We talked about the fact that they were worshipers. They, Joshua stood behind in the tent of God's presence when Moses would step out. He was enamored with the presence and the glory of God. We talked about last week how they were visionaries. So if you are a warrior, if you are a worshiper, if you're a visionary and Christ is your Lord and Savior, not you may, you will occupy God's promises. In 2023, you have to come in agreement with me that this is not just another year. You can't be satisfied wrapping up this year, December 31st, where you're at the edge looking at the promises and going, man, I wish I would have done things differently. This is the year that come the 31st of December, you will be in God's promises. And then you're going to go, what's next? I know what's next. 2 Corinthians 3.18. I'm about to go from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory to glory. Now, now, what would it take? What other characteristic, what virtue, what attribute, what descriptor can we apply, can we activate? On two occasions, the Bible has this great declaration regarding Caleb, Joshua's brother in grace, grace through our context through Christ. These two, we know the story. Moses sends out 12 spies. Then there's 12 of them. All 12 see the same thing. They see a bountiful land that flows with All 12 of them saw the land that flows with milk and honey. All 12 of them saw the fact that the mucho malo hombres occupied the land, and some of them were what? Some of them were giants. They all saw it. But 10 of them Focus on the what? And two of them focus on the land. Two of them said, that's still our land. They may be giants, but that's still our land. And on two occasions, there is the phraseology appears in the Hebrew. It says the following, but Caleb. On two occasions, the Bible says, but Caleb, making him the exception to the rule. Let me make it legal so you know I'm not making this up. Numbers 1330, here it is, 1330, but, but Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. And he says, let's go at once to take the land. We can certainly conquer it. Not only is Caleb the exception, Caleb looks, these guys are going, hey, we know it has milk and honey. We see giants. We're not going in. We're not going in. 
Caleb comes along and says, yeah, 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 yeah. Milk and honey, yeah, I see the giants, big deal, woo-hoo. By the way, you guys are saying never go in. I say we go in right now. Like Caleb could have said this, you know you guys are wrong. I'm gonna sit down with Joshua. We're gonna develop a strategy, a five-year plan. And five years from now, we're going to have an army, and you guys are so negative, but we're going to be strategic, and we're going to process this. And we're going to, no, Caleb was so out there, these guys said, we're not going to do this. We're not doing this. And Caleb says, not only should we do it, we should do it. Yeah. Look at your neighbor, tell him, now is the time. <laughs> Listen, in Jesus' name, your season of procrastinating comes to an end right now. Your season of making excuses of why you're not occupying the promises comes to an end right here, right now. You're, 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 you're justifying yourself, always telling you, I can't do it because my family didn't do it, because I went through hell growing up, because my dad left my family and I went through it, and because I got trauma in my past and drama in my past, because I went to Pete's Coffee instead of Starbucks, whatever it may be. You could have a reason why you're, but, in, but when Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you don't make excuses, you make history, and that's why you're in this house right here. Somebody say right now. I dare you to say, now is the time. Now is the time. So they, they came along, but here it is. But Caleb tried to quiet the people. And then Numbers 14, 24, same thing. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully. Wow. Not following me just on Sunday. But Monday, you can't lift up heaven on Sunday and look and live like hell Monday through Saturday. Before you were shouting, you're going like, yeah, I better clap so people don't think that I live. I will bring into the land. Here's God's promise because he has a different spirit. I will bring him into the land and his descendants shall take possession of it. Multiple generations. Here's what God is saying. If you're the exception to the rule, if you're part of the prophetic minority instead of the pathetic majority, not only will you go in, but your children and your children's children and your children's 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 children and your children's 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 children's. I'm not making that up. I'm going to prove it to you in Deuteronomy 7. Your children's children's. I'll be here all day if I tell you how many, how many generations. Your children's children's children. The Bible says 1,000 generations. Do you understand what this means? You go in, your children and your children's children and your children's 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 children will likewise possess God's promises. I dare you, I dare you to say, I'm going in. Here it is. Here's the title of the message. Be the exception. And you and your house will occupy God's promises. Be the exception and you and your children and your children's children will occupy God's promises. Number one. Be the exception with your worldview. Somebody say, be the exception of your worldview. Now, the Deuteronomy, Numbers chapter 13, verse 29. The Amalekites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Canaanites. Let's just call them all the ites. Pretty much all the ites. The ites live along the coast of the Mediterranean. But Caleb tried to quiet the people. I want to put this in perspective. God gave them the land, but the land was occupied. I want to repeat that. I, I want to come back here, and I want, you to, I want this to sink, in, to sink in, because some of us think the blessings are always just there, pristine and perfect. 
you, you think you get your blessing from Tiffany's. And sometimes you got to go to Costco to pick it up. But let me, I hope you're getting this. Sometimes you got to wait in line. Sometimes you got to go behind. Sometimes you got to take it out of the box. Sometimes you got to take something out. Sometimes not, this is, the land was occupied. God gave them a land, but it was occupied. Hey, what, don't you think your, the, your theology would teach you if God gave it to me, why would he give it to me with someone already? The land wasn't empty. The land was occupied by enemies, and then some of the enemies were what? Who does that? <laughs> Nevertheless, Joshua and Caleb believed it was still theirs to conquer. You'll get this. Nevertheless, it was still their promise. Nevertheless, it was still their land. Joshua and Caleb emerged as the exception because of their worldview, how they viewed the world. Today, your worldview will define you and your family. Today, we find ourselves spiritually, morally, culturally in the same identical predicament, in a world driven by the giants. The world is full of giants. The giant of fluidity, relativism, fear, emotionalism, Hedonism, deconstructionism, perpetual victimization, entitlement. We just found out the world is full of Satanism and witchcraft. Can you believe that? Chaos and darkness in the midst of the world full of giants. It's time for the followers of Jesus to stand up with the spirit of Joshua and Caleb and prophetically declare it's still our land. Oh, y'all didn't get that. Joshua and Caleb saw a land full of giants and, and they come along and say, there may be giants, but it's still our land. Now it's time for the prophetic minority to be louder than the pathetic majority and shout, it's still our land. It, it's time, I hope you're getting, it's time for God's holy remnant to unmute ourselves and shout from the mountaintop. It's as it pertains to our children, our cities, our schools, our nation. In New York City, we've never had this before. They built a statue to worship Satan in the middle of New York City. It's a bronze, I'm, and I'm not a conspiracy guy. I'm a faith and science guy. I'm a Lehigh University grad. I went to Penn State. I'm a thinker. My mind thinks very linear, sequential, so I don't do the weird cuckoo for Cocoa Puff conspiracy stuff. But when it's real, and, 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 and secular news, not Christian, actually had a big article on, hmm, first statue in American history dedicated to Satan in New York City. What's going on here? In the and, and we as Christians, why are the people that worship darkness loud? than the people that worship the light. I know it's Super Bowl Sunday, y'all, but in the name of Jesus, I believe we're about to see a bunch of Joshua's and Caleb's rise up. Is anybody here have enough faith to say it's still our land? Somebody shout, it's still our land. Is there anybody here who has enough faith to unmute yourself? And, and as it pertains to your children, your destiny, your city, our schools, our nation, our generation, can somebody say, it's still our land? Some of you praise like you believe it's still your land to occupy. Is there anyone here committed not giving up one inch to the devil? Not giving up one inch to darkness? Not giving up one inch to hate. Not giving up one inch to discord. 
If you believe it's still our land, raise both hands. That's why you're in this church. We need Joshua's and Caleb's to rise up. We will, the 10 said no. The two said yes. And one of them said, not only yes, we're doing it right now. Oh, you missed it. I said, we're doing it right now. I, I'm, one more time, we're doing it right now. I'm going to be honest. I can't wait five years. I can't wait 10 years. I can't wait 20 years. I can't wait 30 years to see my family saved and the next generation transformed. As, as for me and my house, it's still... Somebody prays like it's still your land. It's still our land. It's still our land. Somebody say, it's still my land. Some of you are looking at your promises and there may be obstacles. There may be giants. I don't deny that. There may be lies, shame, pain, trauma, and drama occupying what God promised. But I'm here to remind you on Super Bowl Sunday, it's still your land. It's still your land. Pastor Sam, you don't know what I've been through in the past three years. It's still your land. Pastor Sam, you don't know what, what all, all the hell I've been through. You haven't been there. And by the way, you could even say, Pastor Sam, you're saying that because you don't know the size of my giant. What if I tell you that the size of your giant is directly proportional to the size of your land? Seven people got this. If your giant is really big, it only means the enemy is trying to stop you from seeing what's on the other side. Are you with me right now? Big giants try to occupy large territory. So if your giant is big, put a smile on your face. Your land. It's still your destiny. It's still your, and all of them biblically supported. You may want to take screenshots of these verses. They are all biblically substantiated. It is still your destiny. It is still your purpose. It is still your anointing. It is still your assignment. It is still your calling. Look at that. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. That's fancy for it's still. yours. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It's still yours. In spite of all the hell that came your way, it's still yours. In spite of every moment you fell short because of the blood of Jesus, it's still yours. The promise of eternal life is still yours. The promise of abundant life is still yours. The promise of new life is still yours. The promise Holy Spirit is still yours. The promise that your family will be saved is still yours. The promise that every single day you will look more and more like Jesus as you go from glory to glory is still yours. The promise of perfect freedom, freedom from bondage, freedom from sin, freedom from generational curses, free mind, free body, free soul, and free spirit is still yours. The promise that your children and your children's children will not inherit your sins, but they will inherit your blessings. I, I think we need to read this. I know, therefore, that the Lord, your God, is God, the faithful God who keeps his covenant and steadfast love with those who love him, that's us, and keep his commandments. Galatians 3.29 says that these promises belong to us through Christ. To a thousand, that should prompt some of you to go into a praise break. If you care about your children being saved, 
Some of you don't even have children. You're dating. You will have children when you get married. And you're, gonna, and you're thinking about, are my kids going to grow up in a crazy world? It doesn't matter what the giants are. It's still your land. To a thousand generations. Are you with me right now? Uh, it's still, somebody say, it's still my land. The promise that God will never leave you or forsake you is still yours. Hebrews 13, 5. The promise that you are forever in our Father's grip and nothing can take you away is still yours. John chapter 10. So this is God's word for you today. Don't give up on your faith because you see some giants. Don't give up on your family because you see some giants. Do not give up on your future because you see some giants. Why? Because our Christian worldview teaches us that God is always more powerful than the devil. I'm going to double down in light of what happened this week. God is more powerful than the devil. Our Christian worldview instructs us that light shines in the darkness. And the darkness will never, never overcome the light. Our Christian worldview fills us with the certainty that greater is he that is than he that is in the in other words, it's still our land. Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promises. Even if the promises are occupied, they are still your promises. It's still your land. One more time, if you really receive that, now give God the best Joshua and Caleb shout if you believe it's still Somebody say, it's still my land. It's still my land. Let me land this on Super Bowl Sunday. You have to be the exception with your worldview, and you have to be the exception with the urgency of now. You heard it clearly. Caleb did not just say, it's, it's my land, I'm taking it. He said, well, by the way, not only is it still our land, we're taking it now. now. Why would Caleb make such a statement? What did Caleb and Joshua know that the 10 did not have a revelation of? I'm going to ask you a question. The 10 that were here, the 10 spies, did they pray to the same God as Joshua and Caleb? They did. Wow. When the glory cloud would show up, would they worship the same God that they do? Yeah. How can the same people that pray to the same God go to the same church on Sunday? Focus on the wrong thing. What did Joshua and Caleb know? They had revelation. They saw something they did not as it pertains to truth. Not physical, but truth. Oh boy. What they knew. That there were promises regarding our enemies. God said some things regarding our enemies. This is what God said. Deuteronomy 28:7. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They will attack you from one direction, but they will scatter from you in what? Does anyone really know what that means? I shared it one time before the offering here. Do you know what that really means? It means the enemy comes against you one way. And all we read it is, oh, they scatter in seven. Guys, it's real simple. It only means the enemy comes against you one way, 
God's going to blow them up into pieces. You missed it. They come against you. God will blow them up into pieces and they will never be able to regroup and do you damage ever again. No, somebody should get excited about that. Whatever the enemy has launched against you, if, if, they, if they knew better, they would stop right where they're at. Because the moment they come into your sphere, God's going to blow them up and they will never be able to regroup and do you any harm. You got to know what the Bible says regarding your enemies. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail. For I am with you, Jeremiah 119. Psalm 23, verse 5 is my favorite. These are all Bible verses about our enemies. God will prepare a table for me. In the presence of what? I don't, I'm going to explain what this means. He, in the pre, he'll prepare a table for me in the presence of what? Oh, boy. Then, then, then he will, you honor, God will honor me by doing what? God's going to anoint you in the presence of your enemies. 1 John 2.27 says the Holy Spirit is the anointing, which means you're going to be so full of the Holy Spirit in the presence of your enemies. You know, don't, don't, you don't understand what that means. In the presence of your enemies, you get a fresh anointing. And then, and on top of that, your cup, your cup, your cup. I'm here to tell you whatever came against you is about to see you anointed and blessed like you have never been before. I don't know if you, I don't know if you got that. You know that spirit of depression, that you know that spirit of pornography that bound you, that demon is going to look at you completely free, anointed, and more blessed than ever before. No, you, that old multi-generational spirit of alcoholism, literally demonic spirits, that demon is going to be texting the other demons, going like, remember how we jacked up his great-grandfather? how we messed up his grandfather, how we messed up his father. Remember how we tried to mess him up when he was in high school? Dude, we've tried everything. We can't touch him now. That guy is anointed. Look at that woman that we came against and messed her up. Look at her, she's anointed. We can't touch her now. There's so much blessing coming out of her. There's so much glory coming out of her. There's so much favor coming out of her. Her cup runneth. If you're ready to see that, shout like you actually believe. Somebody lift up your hands and say, my cup runneth over. Say it like you believe it. Say, my cup runneth over. Let's make this declaration in 2023. God will prepare a table for me in the presence of the very things that came against me. Internal, external, emotional, spiritual, relational, financial, cultural. God in 2023 will anoint me and will bless me like never before. Somebody prays like you're about to run over. Feel a breakthrough in the house. My cup running. 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 Lift up your hands. We're done. We're done. Woo! 
lift up your hands. We're done. Stand with me. You are standing. Stand with me. Luke 10, 19. This is all the, these are biblical verses regarding the enemies. A revelation without having the New Testament, without having the, the covenant work of Christ. Joshua and Caleb already had a foreshadowed reality of the nature of God as it pertains to already dealing with our enemies. They knew it. They knew. Who, can, who cares if there's giants and God permits these giants? It only means God already dealt with the giants. They just don't know it. Pastor Sam, you're telling me the stuff that we go through. Why, why, why the, if God is perfect and divine, why the, war, why the warfare? Do I have to overcome these things? The Bible never, I'm going to show you a New Testament truth that will rock your world. The Bible never talks about, in the New Covenant, post-Christ, about you and I overcoming the mucho malo hombres. The Bible always talks about you and I overcoming ourselves. The number one enemy you and I have is not a thing out here or a devil or a demon. It isn't. Colossians 2.15 says, Jesus defeated all of them, making a public spectacle out of them. He defeated. So we live in that. Your number one enemy is not a devil, a demon, a legion, or a giant. Your number one enemy is the man in the mirror. If you let your old man, the flesh man, the desires of your flesh overtake you, that's your giant's. Are you with me right now? So don't focus on, oh, is there a... Stop that. No. Everybody standing with me. Luke 10, 19. I'm just, look, just making it legal like a law. Like a law case right here. A legal case. You, you submit the evidence. And you're the jury. It's up to you whether or not you believe what the Bible says. I've given you authority over some of the powers of the enemy. 90% of them just the powers that are applicable to your spiritual faith reality. Over what? All of it. And you, you can walk among snakes and scorpions and that's a, a strong metaphor, meaning it doesn't matter what comes your way. It says, does this, I'm sorry, does it say you can crawl? Does it say you can get into a fetal position and suck your thumb? It says you can walk. So if there's a giant there, a snake or a scorpion, keep walking. Tell your neighbor, keep walking. Tell him, keep walking. Keep walking. God has given you a promise that nothing will harm you. Nothing will harm you. We Christ, with Christ, for Christ, through Christ, we have the power to evict, the power to rebuke, the power to cast out, and the power to expel. And we're not going to do it tomorrow. We're not going to wait next year, five years from now, just like Caleb. We're going to do this. Somebody shout, now is the time. Now is the time. Now is the time. Second Corinthians 6, 2, now is the time for salvation. Therefore, now there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ, Romans 8, 1. This is the right time. At the right time, I will make it happen, Isaiah 60, verse 22. Now is the time. Everybody standing with me. If you got this message, raise your hand. Be the exception, but Caleb. But Caleb. That means you're the exception. Be the exception, not the rule. 
exception. We don't have to conform, guys. Do not conform to this world. We are part of a prophetic minority. We're part of a holy remnant. And it's Jesus said the way is narrow. Ah, but the benefits. God looks and says, you know what? You said what others did not. You have a different spirit. Be the exception with your attitude. Numbers 14, 24, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit, Hebrew exegete, exegetical extrapolation, which means you look at the original language, dissect the word. In Hebrew, the word spirit likewise appears, the word attitude. Your attitude has to be in alignment of your anointing. I've seen anointed people that never occupy all of God's promises because of their attitude. Yes, the Bible teaches us that the attitude can hinder the anointing. I just proved it. They pray to the same God. They worship the same God. They had the same church service when the cloud would come down. Glory, glory. And yet, they got stuck because of their attitude. Your attitude can stifle your anointing. But when your attitude perfectly aligns with your anointing, not only will you occupy the promise, but your children and your children's children will take possession of it. So let me conclude with the following declaration. When your anointing lines up with your attitude, when your character is perfectly in sync with your calling, when your words match his will, when your integrity undergirds your influence, not only will you occupy the promise, but your children and your children's children and your children's 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 children will live in the promises of God. If you permit God this year to do what he has to do in you in order to align everything, raise one hand. If you give the Holy Spirit permission to remove what he has to remove, to add on what he has to add on, in order for the attitude and the anointing, the calling, the calling and the character to be in perfect alignment, your words and his will, raise both hands. That means you're giving the Holy Spirit permission. It sounds weird you give God permission, but that whole free will element, that's the way he works. You don't have to be saved if you don't want to be saved. If you want to take yourself to hell, you take yourself to hell. God doesn't send anyone to hell. You send yourself to hell. The Bible says that he came for all men, all women to be saved. So if you choose hell, you choose hell. It's called free will. Stop saying God sent him to hell. No, he didn't. You send yourself to hell. He wants you with him in eternity. So if you're saying, God, go ahead, do your, do your will. Raise both hands really high. You're asking God to put things in your family in alignment, in your home, in your marriage, in your health, in your finances, in your thoughts, in your heart. So watch the Holy Spirit show up. Heavenly Father, we give you complete permission. Do what you have to do. Put everything in alignment where the attitude and the anointing match up, where the calling and the character match up, where the words and your will match up, where integrity and influence match up. We receive it right now in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. amen. Can you lock, if you, don't, if you don't want to, you don't have to here. We don't force people to do anything here. But if you want to, you feel free and you're good about it. Can you lock arms with at least one person? You don't have to, again, at your discretion. You can lock up with two people if you want. It's fine. 
Um, somebody help me out. How many were here? How many? How many were here? Which is the larger number? And you get this wrong, we're going to have issues. This is, which is the larger number? Yeah. I, I, I want to remind you that complainers attract complainers. Whiners attract whiners. Victims attract. But likewise, let me flip it and redeem it. Visionaries attract. Conquerors attract. Worshippers attract. Some promises can only be occupied when you partner with the right person. Every Joshua needs a Caleb. Every Joshua needs at least one person who sees what they see, hears what they hear, believes what they believe. Matthew 18, 19. When two or more agree, if two of you or more agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. Matthew 18, 20. Where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there. Mark 6, 7. He called his 12 disciples together and he sent them out, not individually, but two by... Giving them authority to what? We're going to do this together. This faith was never, ever created for you and I to live out in a silo of isolationism. We need each other. That's why COVID was so tough. We need each other. We need community. The word is kilonia, fellowship, fraternity. Don't be alone. Find one, you don't even need a thousand, one person who believes that you were called because that person is with you and, and whenever you fight depression and we do, it doesn't make you less of a Christian. Whenever you fight stuff, it doesn't make, you getting tempted doesn't make you less of a Christian. No, 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 stop that. But the moment you fight depression, you need somebody next to you just full of the Holy Spirit who will tell you, hey, hey, hey I'm here to remind you the joy of the Lord is your strength. <laughs> You walk with somebody, you fall down for a moment, you slip, you trip, you're down. That person is so stuck to you, that person says, I can't move unless I get you up. So I'm obligated to lay hands on you. Get me some oil, Father, in the name of Jesus. Your best days are ahead of you. What God has for you cannot and will not be denied. Heavenly Father, seal this message. Today, in this church and streaming around the world, a generation with the spirit of Joshua and Caleb, which now through Christ is powerful Holy Spirit. That generation rises up today to be the exception, not the world. We will not conform to this world. We will not be corrupted by this world. Lord, we stand up in the name of Jesus as a holy remnant, as a prophetic minority, not to occupy some of your promises, but to occupy all of your promises. You know why, God? because it's still our land. We do it all in the mighty name of Jesus. If you made that prayer with me, if you come in agreement and you're ready to go in, when I say now, just take one step, take the other step and just go in. Show God that you're stepping in. You're not gonna wait for the 10 to come in agreement. You're doing it right now. Not next year, not next season, but right now. All my right now people, when I count to three, just go in and then find the best Super Bowl Sunday praise you've ever given him. Ready? 
One, two, three. Step in right now and give God that praise. Come on, somebody praise like you just came in. Somebody worship like you just... 